Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we recoil as Nintendo utters the phrase, but bounce. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. How are you, Patrick? Uh, I am doing well. Thank you for asking. Does it feel like a little bit of a pressure valve has been released now that this Nintendo Direct... steam valve. Now that there's like some sort Mm -hmm. of Nintendo Direct out in the world. I know it's not, you know, like we were kind of anticipating a general direct. Yes. But for uh, to me anyways, it feels like, uh, you know, like when there's a small earthquake or something and you're like, ah, the pressure. I know this is not, this is not, this is not how earthquakes thing. work no. because there are four shocks and aftershocks yes. and you never know if what you're experiencing is the central earthquake or the thing that's just portending bigger earthquakes to come. This is how I feel. I do not feel as though there's been any pressure uh, alleviate. Mm-hmm. Which nothing has been made better. I feel like there is just as much pressure. I'm not. I, I like the direct. We're going to talk about the direct, um, but I feel like there's still pressure in the system so my false science does not reassure you <laughs> interesting interesting yeah that's right your, yeah. your false science does if anything it no it doesn't actually make me more nervous or more uh, anxious about it um i i feel like i am the same level of anticipating some kind of either direct or a series of announcements uh a, a trailer shadow drop for something big uh, I feel like it's still pressing against my skull. It's in there, Mark. <laughs> well, for your peace of mind, I wish for you some of the peace that I am feeling after this Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase. What is the uh, procedure called where they like drill a hole in your skull to like release pressure from like blood in there? Oh, I don't know. It's like it's like uh t- t- like tinabul. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, um, please do. Because uh, we've already had enough false science on the show. That's right. For one day. Um, but in the meantime, the Sonic Forces Borrowing Program, would you like to participate in it? You certainly can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And you'll be added to a list. Once you are on this list, I can mail you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. That's fine. Either way, you play the game or don't. And then send it back. I pay for postage both ways. It's the perfect borrowing program. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. It helps the show grow so much. Um, People find our show by positive reviews, like affect our ranking in search results on podcast stores. So that helps people find the show. It helps people. It helps the society grow. But also, mm. Patrick and I just really like reading your reviews of the show. It means so much to us. Any interaction we have with listeners is amazing, and um, so we really appreciate it when you leave us reviews. Um, following up on both what you just said and what I just said, Chris wrote into us and said, "Hello, fellas. Uh, just following up on this. He had previously sent in uh, his, his a- address." 
um, for to be on as part of the Sonic Forces borrowing program. So I just wanted to make sure my name is still on the list because I'm still interested. Uh, Chris, your name is still on the list. Uh, also, I've given a five-star review on Spotify, and I know you guys aren't able to see that. Keep up the good work. Chris, we're shouting you out here. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And if you, like Chris, has left us, left us a five-star review on Spotify or anywhere that is in the U.S. Apple Podcast Store, Chris is correct that we can't see it. And so if you let us know, send us an email, hit us up on Twitter, we will give you a shout out because again, we appreciate it so much. So I don't have the name of the procedure, but the holes themselves are called burr holes, B-U-R-R. Burr holes are small holes that a neurosurgeon makes in the skull. Burr holes are used to help relieve pressure on the brain when fluid such as blood builds up and starts to compress brain tissue. I really feel like I've learned something. That's and that's from, uh, from HopkinsMedicine.org. So that's like a real website. A .org, yeah, it's for real. They're not trying to get your money. They're not, not fishing for those clicks. It's not a .edu though. I feel like <laughs> it could be one step more reliable. Um, speaking of things that are or are not reliable, you should join our Discord. There are a bunch of people in there talking about Nintendo stuff. It's a super fun time. Um, get in there. You do need an invitation. It is invite only. Uh, so email us. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we will happily let you in so you can talk Nintendo with a bunch of uh, cool, uh, chill geeks uh, that are uh, happy to talk about Nintendo stuff. Um, Mark, we got an email um, from Libby, and this is in response to our uh, our conversation about missing Nintendo sports. Libby writes, Hello, gentlemen. I'm a relatively new listener. Uh, one of you guessed it on a podcast recently. Sorry, I can't, can't remember which one. I have a terrible memory, which inspired me to start listening. I never email into shows, but one, I wanted to say how much I enjoy your show, and you're both so enthusiastic and fun and knowledgeable. Thank you, Libby. Thank That's you. Very, that's very kind. Um, two, to tell you my sports suggestion. So this is, uh, we were talking Mario Sports. Libby's got a suggestion. Mario Wrestling. As far as I know, there is not a Mario Wrestling game. I don't even watch wrestling or know anything about it other than the bare basics, but it all makes so much sense. Also, while Googling to confirm that there isn't one, uh, I came across the canceled volleyball game. Uh, uh, anyway, have a great day to you both. Um, yeah, canceled volleyball game. Very interesting. Uh, weird. I don't know about this. There just was one. <laughs> um, but let's talk Mario Wrestling. This is such a good idea, Libby. And I assume we're talking like Mario Pro Wrestling, yeah, right? That's yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I'm imagining in my mind. And, you know, in the sports episode, a lot of times I was like, hey, this we should do this thing because they'll look really goofy when they're doing their special moves or when they're being like slammed into the ground. Right. And you were experiencing a bloodlust during that episode. <laughs> wrestling, Mark. Uh, pro, like pro wrestling checks mm -hmm. all of these boxes. I would love to see like Daisy suplexing Bowser, you know, and like Bowser's uh, being just like crap smashed into the mat, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, his facial expressions as he's gasping for air. Um, here's what I would need it to not be though. It needs to not be the like, early 2000s like gore fest style of like pro wrestling yes. like no one's taking a stapler gun to the forehead no right? no we're just no, hitting no, no. each other with chairs we're just hitting each other with chairs where uh we're doing like things from the top rope like that's 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 all i want uh -huh. also i'm just imagining like the mario characters walking into the arena you know with like their music mm -hmm. and the light package and everything oh it'd be so good also, and look, I barely understand pro wrestling either, but I feel like, and I hope this analogy holds up, 
I feel like Wario is the Vince McMahon of this wrestling universe. Does that make sense? You know, uh, I feel like you and I probably have similar levels of understanding to pro wrestling. Mm. And yes, it yes. makes total sense. There we to go. Me. Yeah, <laughs> good. Uh, Libby, thank you so much for your suggestion. Suggestion, you are of course correct. Mark, we've got a whole Nintendo Direct uh, to talk about here, or a, a Nintendo Direct Mini, at any rate. Um, let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Tuesday, I was going to say January, that's not right. Tuesday, June 28th at 6 a.m., Nintendo airs a uh, Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase uh, with a bunch of, you know, we never really know what to expect from one of these things, right? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that they brought back the Partner Showcase branding just because it felt like such a pandemic, you know, 2020 kind of like, panic move for less lack of a better term and i think there were three of them in 2020 and one of them the one that actually announced monster hunter rise i think was well received but otherwise i don't i mean there there was certainly one of them that was like seven minutes long had like a wwe game again we don't know anything about wrestling and like three other games in Uh it it was like a real it was a dire presentation yeah um but this is not that right like this seems to be a pretty full-throated um, like support of third-party developers on the system. So, the, you know, there was speculation online that the reason that this, you know, a mini partner showcase presentation was happening and why it was happening kind of like at the very end of June mm-hmm. was because Nintendo had contractual obligations based on plans for an E3 that didn't end up happening or whatever. Yes. Like contractual obligations with third parties that they were going to present these games in a direct and because it does kind of have the feel of like yeah you put in one or two nintendo first party announcements here right and, and it would be like a full direct E3 presentation yeah, totally essentially. totally and especially when you look at the um because they it, we start with monster hunter uh, monster hunter rise sunbreak and then later we get the um mario plus rabbits uh sparks of hope and both of those while not being developed by nintendo are uh, like they're designed for the platform with like Nintendo being stakeholders in in both of them, right? So like it is not a first party directed. You like you can't call it that, but like there's a lot of Nintendo like development DNA or at least like oversight in the games that we see being presented here. And after you and I recorded on Monday night for our Tuesday episode, you know we were talking about kind of like what our expectations were for this partner this mini partner showcase and neither of like both of us were kind of like, we're not expecting anything. Like my expectations were exceedingly low. Yes. Um, exceedingly low. (laughs) I've what's, there's gotta be a, like a superlative adjective for like, uh, cause exceeding means like big, right? Should I have said, I don't know. I don't know. Exceptionally low. Mate. I mean, I, Maybe, but I feel like we frequently have low expectations. Uh, also, if we're going to, um, it's yeah, let's parse each other's it, words. It, yeah, let's it's really probably, get into it. It's probably not best to litigate <laughs> um, the uh, the language I use because uh, I think it's frequently wrong. Well, so. well, and you are not alone. I, I'm gonna back off this right now before you're like, I should start applying the same standard to Patrick. <laughs> but uh, that is to say that I. 
you know, had low expectations yes. going into this showcase, but I actually think it was a really good showing, uh, like an enjoyable yeah. direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's exactly how I feel. Um, it's a uh, it's weird to go into a third party showcase, um, and then get a Mario game, and you're like. Yeah, this is it feels like a full direct. Yeah. Like uh, and even even calling it mini, it's still like 25 minutes long. Um which, and I know that, you know, a real direct can go for like 40 minutes. Um but frankly, that that sounds very long to me right now. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't welcome it. I would be very happy to see a, a full 45 minute long direct. Mark, should we go through and uh just sort of analyze this thing beat by beat? Uh, and talk about all the games that were either revealed or touched on in the Direct. Yeah, let's do it. So we already said we start with Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Um, Mark, as someone who knows nothing as much about Monster Hunter as we do professional wrestling, um, did this trailer do anything for you? I have to admit that when... Because when, when I watched this presentation, I just skipped this part. I think that's fair. Because I did not play Monster Hunter Rise. <clears throat> I played some of the demo but have not played the full game and I don't really understand Monster Hunter. Like I watch a Monster Hunter trailer and it doesn't mean anything to me because you know, like the, I don't recognize any of the monsters or anything like that. The one thing that after we, you and I together watched this again before the direct before recording. And the thing that struck me about it is just like how big Monster Hunter Rise, like the base game, must be. Because in the demo, I was just in, you know, the starting village and the surrounding areas. And Sunbreak, you know, like you're on ships. Like it gets, the world seems very expansive. And so I think I was uh, not giving Monster Hunter Rise maybe like it's, do if that's right i don't know i it was just more it was bigger than i expect than i thought it was yeah well i always find myself just like wholly intimidated by any monster hunter game because it feels so big um but usually for me that bigness is like look how deep these systems yeah, are every so systems. every set of weapons controls completely differently and like that it's just going to be a, a lot there and and I, I think you're right that like the size of the world in addition to um like how deep each part of the world is uh, all, all this seems like hyper intimidating, um, and we're not Monster Hunter guys, uh, so I guess we don't really have too much uh, to say here about um, Sunbreak, other than of course that the game is available today. There is a, a a demo available. Obviously, you need to have access to Monster Hunter Rise in order to then access the demo. Do you? That part was not clear to me. I don't know. I mean, it does say it does say multiple times uh, through the trailer that. Monster Hunter Rise is required to access Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. Right. I, I just wasn't sure yeah. if the demo was like a discrete thing. Uh, but I well, have boy, no way what of a, knowing. What a, what a great question. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I do, I, I do have a way no of knowing. no way to know. <laughs> but I choose, I have chosen not to. We choose uh, not to know. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, let's see, professional wrestling. Right. The name of the procedure that you use burrholes in. Um and whether the Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak demo can be played independently of Monster Hunter Rise. There was another one, too. There was, was another thing, and I can't it. remember it. Pete and I talked about it when he was on, and I can't remember what it... I can't remember it. 
we'll get there. I'll remember it as we go. Um, it seems like, uh, or not, it seems like there are going to be free updates to Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. So the expansion itself uh, gets further expanded. Um, there's a uh, seething basil juice uh, update it's in a good August. Name. It's a pretty good name. Makes me think of Beetlejuice. Um, and then there are three more updates, uh, one in the fall, another in, in winter, and then a fourth in 2023. Um, so, you know, obviously they are still like supporting the heck out of this thing. Um, yeah, you have to pay for the uh, for Sunbreak, but then that itself gets free DLC on top of that. Um, Mark, you pointed out how funny it is to like, we get what it means when they say free updates, but like you had to buy the thing that updates the game already. Um, so anyway, uh, if you're into Monster Hunter Rise, uh, you, you've got a ton more of it uh, headed your way imminently. Next up was near. Near Automata, the end of Yorha edition, is releasing October 6th. So this is bringing Near Automata, a game that is highly regarded, has been available on other platforms for multiple years now. Coming to Switch, coming natively. This was kind of rumored. Yes. Or, you know, like in maybe the day beforehand, word came out that this game was possibly coming to Switch. But nobody was sure if it was going to be a cloud edition because after... Kingdom Hearts, right? The those three games being cloud editions, nobody was really sure what to expect for this. But it's a fully native release of the game on Switch with all additional content uh, uh, included, and and some new uh, costumes as, as well that are like exclusive to the to the Switch edition that comes out on October sixth. Um, Mark, let's have the conversation. Automata is how they said it in the in the direct i've always heard it as automata that was my assumption just because they were like robots or something because it's like automaton but i i i choose to believe the yes. pronunciation in the direct wow i think they're obligated to get it correct i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> uh does does uh near uh automata do anything for you so i mean i've just heard such good things about it that i am interested but there are so many JRPGs coming to the Switch in yeah, the future. Yeah, but this is like an action I'm RPG. Like interested in this is different. Yeah, so I put I put it in the column of yes, I am interested, but I genuinely don't know if I'll ever get to it just because there are so mm. many other games mm -hmm. and just not enough time. The improv special, yes, but. <laughs> Next up was Lorelei and the Laser Eyes, which is coming out sometime in 2023. Um, this is the same developer as uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts, um, and seems to be similarly like trippy and sort of like I can't really put my finger on what this game is. Yeah, like what the gameplay of this is seems uh, totally unknown. Um, Sayonara Wild Hearts was a rhythm game, mm. and this does not seem to be that, but. It, this is checking so many of my boxes, yeah. like murder mystery, uh, weird character designs, interesting world. Sort of cool looks like a style, a, a suit of fifty one. Totally style looks like Killer Seven, but like it also like slides back into sort of like a low polygon, uh, high pixel. Like it, it, it seems like it is playing with because there also is like a, a time travel component too. Um, that it is like accessing different art styles to be evocative of the time periods that it's taking place in. So like, this seems like a cool game. It will surprise nobody that it's being published by Annapurna games. That's right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to learn more about this. It looks really interesting. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. We, we will be keeping our laser eyes on this one. So up next was an announcement that I completely forgot was in this direct until we watched it again. 
before recording, and that's Super Bomberman R2 coming next year. Now, Mark, you may have forgotten about it, but seeing a Bomberman in a Nintendo Direct tripped some alarms for me. Because Bomberman, not a series that I think about ever, except anytime Nintendo launches new hardware. I mean, you know that original Super Bomberman was an early Switch title. A Switch launch game. Uh, this is always true. Go back, consult your Nintendo Bibles. Bomberman is there at every single verse one, chapter one. Uh, Bomber, the, this is the only way to sell a Bomberman game is when there's nothing else on the platform, right? Uh, apologies to Bomberman fans. <laughs> but so, you know it's true. So, this, so what you're saying is yes. that this has you rethinking your 2025 stance for yes. a Switch follow-up hardware. I think it is possible that there is going to be new hardware that comes out in 2023, and Super Bomberman R is targeted to be a like Switch 2 launch title. That would be so funny if uh, Super Bomberman... Or, it, like you're saying, a Bomberman game like being announced portends... <laughs> Uh, you know, a new, I think it does, new Nintendo and hardware. also like sort of explains a little bit, or at least like gives some context to the like, why didn't we have a full Nintendo Direct? And it's like, well, because they're not ready to show anything because it's all coming out on the new mm-hmm. hardware. Um, I this is obviously I this is uh, some galaxy brained uh, stuff that I don't wholly believe, but like the existence of a new Bomberman game that is being featured in a Nintendo Direct is highly suspicious. Highly suspicious. Okay, so um, and why announce a Bomberman game more than a, <laughs> a year out? They come, know, it, that it, is <laughs> weird. No, that is weird. It's at least six yeah, months before this game comes out. It's disturbing that they're announcing this make so sense. far in advance. So I I. I I, there's still a lot more direct for us to cover, so I yes. don't want to. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time <laughs> on this, but I do think it's inter- like. Could you just imagine if 2023 is like a 2017 where you know, like, there's all of right. these Breath of the Wild two, the Donkey Kong thing, a new Mario right. game. Right. You know, uh, the only thing that makes me Metroid Prime Four. And yeah, no, exactly. And okay, so I was gonna say that the only thing that makes me a little bit hesitant is that Splatoon three is coming out in September. But right, I, uh, I, you know, like Splatoon two. They, am I correct in remembering that they only really supported it for a year after release, and um, you know, with like yeah. um, with new Splatfests, and then like consistently, they, they they may have done more Splatfests after um the Octo expansion came out, and I think that was at least a year later. Right? Okay, I don't. Yeah. The, the, the timeline here is muddy, so I, I we're probably not right about this. Well, I just don't know that they would want Splatoon th- to like cut off the legs of Splatoon three, like that. Right. Where, unless you know the systems are like cross compatible, which um, and you you yeah. could continue to play Splatoon three, but. I, I sort of think that they have to be right. Yeah. The, the the whatever Nintendo does next, the the next Switch has to be able to play old Nintendo Switch games. Like it just it just has to. Ooh, fingers crossed. Um but also like what does that mean for Bomberman R? Why would anyone buy it? <laughs> I mean, a great point. And yet Bomberman persists. Yes. Uh and then next up is the Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. Um I don't I didn't uh, catch catch a date on this, but uh, it's coming out in in two different collections. Um, I think digitally it's coming out in two different collections. Physically, it's mm. going to be like one. Oh, release. where they're packed together. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there are ten Battle Network games altogether, um, half in one and half in the other. 
Uh, and yeah, I, I don't have any experience with the Battle Network games. Um, I know they're mostly GBA games. Maybe they're all GBA games, um, but I've just never played a, a single one because I, I have such a like idea in my head of what Mega Man is um, uh, to the point where like I can't really play Mega Man Legends. I can't really play uh, Mega Man Soccer. Like I just want them to be side-scrolling games where you choose which world you go to right and, you know fight, fight robot bosses and gain their powers um but they they're a little like grid-based in in terms of uh they're they're like rpgs kind of but then there's like a grid-based combat system which actually seems like kind of cool and fun and strategic so um i don't know i'm i'm uh tentatively interested in these i with any of these collections in general and this has been true for the Castlevania collection, like Castlevania Advance collection. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot of when I discovered like a new music artist that I like a lot who has a large back catalog. And so you add everything to your library and then it's almost like overwhelming, like yes. where to begin because what are the good pieces? I honestly, so I, uh, you know, I just recently rolled credits on Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. And I still have the Castlevania Advanced Collection that I haven't touched yet. And I think I'm actually going to experience it the way that we did the original Castlevania Collection. Because uh, where we, for the episode where we talked about it, we just played each game for like 30-ish minutes. Yeah. And that was minimum. Some we played more. Yeah, that's right. But that was like such an amazing way to kind of like sample everything. Yeah. And I think it's the way that I'm going to try to do the advanced collection. I don't know that it'll be that it'll actually work because they kick it up to because there are different types yeah. of games, you know, um, where you, you probably have to get further into it to like really understand it. But anyways, that with the Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection, it seems like a similar thing where if you're new to the series, it almost feels like overwhelming to have a collection yeah. like this. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I do think it's neat that they have uh, now really cemented the branding of Lega like Mega Man something Legacy Collection. That that is they did that with the uh, the Zero games, with the X games, with the original series, and now with uh, Battle Network. Um, it makes me wonder what else they can. Uh, slap legacy collection on uh, and repackage and resell. It is cool that they like keep doing this, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, especially when like that's sort of what we want from like Nintendo, right? Yeah. Like, let us buy some of these classic games. And like, sure, if you have to bundle a bunch of them together and there's like two in there I don't actually want, but like, you know, that's it. An NES legacy collection, like that would be great. That would be that would be a good thing to uh, a good product to sell. Yeah, I completely agree. Up next was uh, Pac-Man World Repack coming August 26th of this year. It's a remake of Pac-Man World that was originally released on the PlayStation. Uh, did you know that this game existed? No, I had no idea. It, it looks to be like a... I was going to say 3D platformer, but that's not right. Kind of like a mix between like a Crash Bandicoot style. Yeah. Um, like perspective platformer. That's sort of like with three some quarters. Yeah. Yeah. I, so this is notable to me only because like I had a physical reaction when the oh, right. announcer of the Nintendo Direct, you know, had to say the term butt bounce. One of Pac-Man's famous moves, of course. He well, performs I, a butt bounce. I, look, I, I Googled it. I looked it up. And it, that is the actual like nomenclature name of the move that Pac-Man has in, Pac -Man, in the Pac-Man World series. Which, Patrick, you brought up a great point. It makes us ponder, does Pac-Man have a butt? 
I, I evidently if it's bouncing, he's got it right. Like it's, it's upsetting. Cause like, he's not wearing pants. Uh-huh. So like he's got a butt, but he's not wearing pants. Um, he's got legs and arms and I feel like that's upsetting enough. Like I kind of just want Pac-Man to be like a head, uh-huh. right? With yep. just a mouth. I don't even want him to have eyes, frankly. Um, but yeah, Pac-Man is saving his family. Another thing that I'm like, what? <laughs> um, August 26th. Uh, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say. Also, maybe I recoiled because growing up, we weren't allowed to say the word "butt." We weren't allowed to say "butt" or "shut up." So, mom, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Nintendo made me do it. Next up is a game called Blanc, a black and white uh, co-op uh, adventure, sort of maybe platformer, maybe just like puzzle platformer yeah. type. Thing. Uh, where you play as a, a fawn and a baby fox, um, and you are on um, sweet little adventures together. You have different moves that you're capable of. You have different physical characteristics, and it looks like a quiet, meditative, um, very cute experience. Yeah. I, I'm very excited for this And they game. call out that it's textless and that textless. it has online and in-person like couch co-op. Um, I agree with you. I think it looks really good i feel like i have seen this exact game like multiple times i do worry that it is so it's coming out february uh 2023 i do worry that this is just uh fey 2023 remember fey uh-huh um where another game where we're like ooh, this looks like a neat little like uh meditative um 3d platforming kind of experience um and i ended up not really liking that game but this one i don't know it just looks so polished from the footage they showed us uh, and that it's so singular in its vision this like black and white world i hope it comes out in winter it feels very appropriate for like a winter february day. yeah so there you go oh yes yeah uh up next was return to monkey island which uh is going to be launching on switch this year we can add this to the pile of things that we don't know anything about um it was demolition derby that we don't know anything oh, about I got, yes. I got there i, I remembered yes. Um, but yeah, the the Monkey Island games, uh, I, sort of um, traditional um, point and click adventure games, right? Uh, with a, a a great, a notorious sense of humor um, from creator Ron Gilbert, um, and he is back to working on this one. Uh, is is uh, my understanding at the moment? Um, what 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 did you think of the uh, the trailer here, Mark? Yeah, I've I've never played any of the Monkey Island games. I've played um, Thimbleweed Park, the kind of like retro revival point and click adventure game that Ron Gilbert created and was released on Switch. I actually think in 2017, um, and liked that a lot. One thing I thought was really cool about this is that it has such a unique art yeah. style that it's not kind of like a retro revival type thing. It it's uh it feels very adventurous for lack of a better term with um its art style and I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and that it's not uh it's not doing like sort of video game standard and it's not like kind of cell animation like it's sort of something uh like unique and mm-hmm. uh like singular. So um yeah, it it'll be cool to uh get impressions of that when it comes out later this year. Next up is, of course, Mario plus Rabbids, Sparks of Hope. Uh, Mark, we are jumping ahead now in time uh, to the next day, Wednesday morning, um, when Ubisoft did a, their own like uh, presentation just about Mario plus Rabbids. Sparks of Hope, um, a lot of the information between uh, the trailer in the uh, direct um, showcase and in Ubisoft's thing are pr- fairly redundant. Um, 
but uh, let's let's talk about it. The game comes out August uh, or no, October twentieth. So filling kind of like a big hole in Nintendo's yeah. end of year calendar. There was no October game, but right. now we know at least um, Mario plus Rabbit Sparks of Hope will be releasing then. Right to just sort of fill time for Pokemon to get here <laughs> in, in, in November. Um, so the the Ubisoft presentation is uh, introduced and kind of hosted throughout by uh, Davide uh, Soliani, who is the uh, like director and like main guy on um, both Mario plus Rabbids games. Um, the premise of the game is uh, Cursa has corrupted the world um, and made all of uh, like stolen Bowser's um, army from him and making it do bad things. Um, uh, the, the titular sparks are the merging of Lumas and Rabbits, Rabbids, sorry. Um, and they have the sort of in-game functionality that we kind of uh, were able to see in the earlier trailers where, like, they have elemental properties. And so each character, as you go into battle, um, has a spark that, like, adds some sort of bonus or has some sort of uh, elemental effect. Yeah, I'm curious to see how much uh, the Super Mario Galaxy games inform yes. this entry in the Mario Plus Rabbit series because you have Rabbit Rosalina, mm -hmm. you have these sparks, which are, you know, as you mentioned, Lumas crossed with Rabbids. Um, you have star bits that you see being collected in the trailers. Yeah. I um, mean, you don't see coins this time. Right. I think you just see star bits. And so, yeah, it, I'm curious what else from the Galaxy series. Um, well, and also that, like, they the characters arrive on a spaceship and, you know, they, they, they make a point to really, like, underline that you are exploring the worlds as you want to. The original Mario plus Rabbids um, was a fairly linear kind of thing when you went into a new world that, like, you know, there were tiny little deviations off uh, off the main path, but mostly, you know, it was a straight line. Um, and it seems like maybe that's not the case here. At least that's what they're implying is that there's more freedom of of uh, movement. Which seems to be kind of like a theme throughout the entire yes. of both presentations because they take great pains in the partner showcase to talk about like the movement in the game in combat. Right. In, yes, that in the battles you are not like confined to a grid system. That They, they say you're allowed uh, to move like freely in real time. It's not really real time because your opponents and all the other characters are paused while you're running around, but you are like running around, um, which certainly will feel more active than you know moving into the right square yeah in the initial presentation i was like whoa that's a big change from how the original game works because the original game you know everything is shown as a grid and your character when you move them just moves like on that grid but the watching it again it i don't actually, think it's that different it yeah. isn't that different really they're just removing those squares Right? right, and so like right. you have Re removing the squares, and instead of like drawing your path and then pushing a button and watching them do it, you just do the path and they they walk it. Yeah, yeah. but those like slide takedown moves and everything, like all of that was in the first game, and there's right. a limited number of those, and I'm imagining that will be the case here. So it, I think it. I like that they're kind of like removing that grid structure. I think it makes it more welcoming. Like it seems less. Uh, it has the potential to seem less um, like yeah, a... less like a turn-based... Yeah, 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 like strategy game. Which is something that Davide uh, Soliani mentions, is that like they they tried to make it, uh, e even though it still has the sort of um, turn-based strategic elements that like it feels more action-packed. Like I think they're just taking away some of the uh, points of like slowdown between turns. 
Um, we got to look at the the new allies. Uh, in fact, they they rounded out the entire rest of the party. So no more surprises here, guys. Sorry. Um, uh, Bowser. Edge is the name of this new uh, rabid character. Which we saw in the initial reveal trailer, right. you know, looking like a JRPG, kind of like cloud totally. type yes. hero. Yes. yes. So Edge seems awesome. Um, Edge Edge seems awesome and uh, rabid Rosalina. Um, so not, you know, we, we got a name for Edge, which is cool. Um, rabid Rosalina we had seen before. We're still in love with her, of course. Um, and then Bowser. Uh, Bowser got to be a playable character in a Mario RPG eventually, right? He just gotta. Those are the rules. Those are the rules. Um, what else do we need to uh, sort of touch on here? Um, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um, as it was great to get a release date for it. It was a great to have another trailer for it and kind of get some of these details. But at this point, it doesn't feel like there's a ton new to this. Right. It, it, or like a, not a lot new to like reveal. Right. It's a. Uh, it's. It's very much a sequel to the to the other game. Some things are refined, um, but like the core gameplay is still there, right? Um, Grant Kirkhope uh, is returning to do music along with uh, two other composers. Um, so it I don't know. It seems pretty cool. Um, Shinya Takahashi also shows up in the um, the Ubisoft uh, presentation, who really just like reiterates exactly what uh, Soliani said, um, which I think is very funny. Um, but it's just uh, nice to have that like Nintendo like we were involved with this. This feels another kind of like leftover from an E3 that didn't happen. Totally. Because when the original Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle was revealed, it was the same sort of thing where, you know, like Miyamoto was at the presentation for Ubisoft. Right. Um, but then they also talked about it in the direct. So it yeah, it all just kind of feels like, hey, we this was all planned for an E3 that didn't happen. Yeah. And that and that's that's totally my read on it too. All right, Mark, are you ready to hop back to the uh the partner showcase? Yes. Um, next up was a game called Little Noah Scion of Paradise, um, which is some sort of like side-scrolling resource uh, collecting thing. Um, there are little people that you're collecting or helping that are called Lilliputs. And it's at this point that I, my mind is exploding with the number of like illusions at this game. Like the character's name is Noah and they call her Scion of Paradise. And it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> like we're, we're very uh, biblical, biblical, very, very uh, like uh, Jewish here. Um, and then Lilliputs that that's uh, Gulliver, Gulliver's travel, Gulliver's travels. They should be called Lilliputians, but whatever. Um, I just, I don't know what's happening with this game. It seems like a mess. It, it, it's out now. It was just one of the, it's in a genre and just like a confluence of things that my eyes kind of like, this was a moment where totally, I tuned out a totally. little bit. Up next was Railgrade, which is coming this fall. It seems like a dense train simulator yes. that's all about getting cargo from one area to another and doing it like efficiently. I, this is a genre, you know, that doesn't speak to me, but that I am tickled when anything like this is announced because, um... It just seems so specific. Yes. Train enthusiasts, mm -hmm. Mark, may enjoy it. It is out this fall. Um, next up is RPG Time, The Legend of Right, um, which has sort of like a, it's uh, out on August 18th. Um, it has a hand-drawn style, and it's in, like, the notebook of the, the main character, Kenta, um, and... I don't know, it seems like a neat, like, sort of exploration of, like, what RPGs are or can be. Uh, has a lot of fun with uh, you're able to, like, erase and redraw stuff. Um, so, like, if you can't get from one area to the other, you know, you erase the wall between them or whatever. Um, and that uh, every time you turn the page, it's, like, a different gameplay style or some different, like, hook to it. Um, 
sounds ambitious. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see um, how well it executes on that vision. Up next was Sonic Frontiers, which is releasing this holiday. I have to admit, I have not been following the Sonic Frontiers like rollout. Mm-hmm. And so I have no idea if there was new content in here or if it was just reiterating. So there was, new, there the was new content in here. Um, this is the first time they revealed the cyberspace zones, um, which uh, are sort of the... Uh, uh, the, the the Mario Sunshine without the flood uh, areas. Yeah, it's like the more traditional right. Sonic 3D action part of the game. Um, and uh, the reason I know that this was new is that uh, the people who had um, played the game at like uh, Summer Games Fest, like that sort of like preview week, um, they had access to these, but uh, were under um, embargo not to talk oh, about okay. the, uh, the the cyberspace zones um, and. Uh, they didn't have like a, a time that that was up. Like they would hear about it later, and Nintendo the Nintendo Direct like oh, premiered it and people like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. I was tickled a little bit when the voiceover called. It's not an open world game or not open, you know, like open not, zone. It's open zone. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, stick just stick to the branding, <laughs> you know. Um, next up is uh, uh, Dis- Disney Dreamlight Valley, the obligatory Disney game, obligatory Disney game that i gotta say looks kind of cute it looks fun i just want uh remy to be happy with something that i cook yeah and it's it's like a uh like a, a town simulation sort of game where you're like it also seems kind of kingdom heartsy in that like you're visiting the different worlds that the disney and uh pixar characters live in um and just doing the stuff that they do with them so, like you say, cooking with Remy, you're fishing with Olaf. Yeah, it seems kind of like Animal Crossing-y. Yeah. There's like a framing device about worlds that are corrupted. Or they're, forget- they're losing their memories or whatever. <laughs> but like, you know, the, the trailer Was shows... Was that just the premise of Once Upon a Time, that like ABC show? That they were losing their memories? Or like didn't realize that they were... Boy, I sure watched like half of that, the first season of that. And, and only because it. it was from like the some, couple of writers from yes, Lost. Yes, yeah, yeah. Ad- Adam and Eddie. That's right. Yep. Um, Just chalk it up to another thing that we don't know about. That's right. That, perfect. Um, this uh, So this game comes out in early access or is available in early access September 6th. Um, what does that mean to you? I think of the early access as like a like PC gaming yeah. thing. Yeah. It makes to my me think memory, this is going to be the first time that yeah. like an early access game has been available on Switch. But I guess it's just like beta, right? That's basically what it means. Yeah, but again, like Nintendo usually is like, no, finish the game and then put it out. Um, it makes me think that there's some sort of like microtransaction. Oh, for sure. This seems like a mobile here. game yeah. Yeah. that is also uh, showing up on Switch. But look, if you can go and hang out with Scar and take selfies with Ursula, oh, yeah, like, that I mean, great. you can pay a couple bucks for that. I've got no problem with that. Next was Live Alive coming out on July 22nd, which Ooh-wee. I for, did not remember that it was releasing so close to Xenoblade Chronicles 3, just like a week later. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, the big news here is that a demo is available now that contains the start of three chapters and your progress will carry over to the main game. Um I know that I'm going to be buying Live Alive, so I think I'm going to uh, abstain from yeah, playing I the demo. I was feeling the same way. Um, and not just because I just, just, just finished the demo for Fire uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, and now I'm like, 
I need to buy this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying it so much. I, 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 so, I sort of hate that I love it as much as I do. Um, but I think that's the next game for me. And then when Live Live comes out, that'll be the next one that I dive into. I had also forgotten that um, it's not just like a re-release of the game. It's a remake in the HD 2D style. Yes. I, I forgot that. Oh, Mark, how dare you? I know. <laughs> Shame on me. Well, and they're not calling it like Live Alive HD 2D remake. They're just calling it Live Alive. Yeah. So I guess, uh, Mark, you're forgiven. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Don't let me off the hook that easy. <laughs> Next up is Doraemon, Story of Seasons, Friends of the Great Kingdom, which is coming out sometime this year. Uh, this is a farming game, a story Long of seasons game. Series. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Do you have anything to say about it? Nope. They, uh, there's another farming game that's coming up a little bit later with a drastically different art style, but seemingly the exact same uh, plant watering mechanic. <laughs> yeah. We have a grid of three by three and just <laughs> bring your watering can out. Uh, another game that I don't really have much to say about is Minecraft Legends releasing next year. It's a Minecraft spinoff that was initially revealed at my Microsoft's showcase earlier in june do we have a sense of how these uh minecraft spin-off games do because obviously minecraft is like the number one best-selling game ever of all time across the universe but uh like minecraft story mode minecraft uh dungeons and now minecraft legends um do these games also sell well just by having the name on them i imagine that it, because the pool is yeah. so big that even if they attract a fraction of the general Minecraft audience, that it is still successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would be interested to see numbers on that. Uh, who's up? Me, you. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> Next up is uh, Dragon Quest Treasures, which is out December 6th. Um, ninth. This, ninth, you're right. Um, this is the uh, game that we saw it sort of teased in the Dragon Quest event last year. Yeah, last yeah. year and then again at the Dragon Quest anniversary event oh, right. that they had earlier this year, they said that we would get more details this month. And so we were all waiting for that Nintendo Direct. Yeah, when is the month? Yeah, and yeah, they, they uh, had to put it out because uh -huh. this month is this month. <laughs> um, this is uh, – we're a little unclear as to what this game actually is. Watching the trailer, it's the – like what the gameplay loop is, like how this game plays totally eludes me. Um, the developers have actually been pretty open that this game had a fairly troubled development. It mm. started out as a monster, uh, Dragon Quest Monsters game, which is a Dragon Quest spinoff series that has been running for a long time. That again, I don't, I've never played before, so I don't know how it plays, but right. it is uh, changed into Dragon Quest Treasures, which is like a features characters from Dragon Quest Eleven, Right. Specifically, Eric, um, who is the, the thief character. He's the second playable character that you get in the game. Um, and his sister, Mia, who we won't talk more about for fear of spoiling uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. Um, and the, uh, the, the game, uh, the, the, the trailer here showed them, like, recruiting monsters and, like, using them to traverse the world. That feels like it's part of the Dragon Quest monsters sort of, like, uh, DNA there. Um, but also that they're, like, going out, fighting other monsters and collecting treasure. And treasures are worth different amounts of gold or something. That's the part where we start to, like, kind of lose what the gameplay loop, what the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay actually is. Yeah, or, like, what the goal What is the goal, is. yeah. Mm -hmm. But something to keep an eye on, like those characters, um, I'll, you know, I'll almost feel obligated to eventually buy this game just because I want all Dragon Quest things right. to uh, make it outside of Japan. That's right. Up next was Sizzle Reel Time. 
So fire. Just, that, that was not a steam release valve. That was <laughs> that was a, a sizzling. Um, what are those things where it's like a it's like a, a like a pan and they bring your fajitas out in it? Oh sure, uh, it is a. We're gonna get there. <laughs> Gonna get there. The Cast iron skillet. Yes, there we go. We did it. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Houses gets a shout out. They want three you hopes, to, of course. Three hopes. Yes. yes, they want you to buy this game. And I'm going to. It's like <laughs> message received. I got it. No Man's Sky was teased. This is another game that I believe is coming out in October. Um, kind of curious to pick this up. I know it's been available on other platforms for ages at this point. Mm. Um, a Plague Tale Requiem, the rare at this point cloud yes. version. Mm-hmm. And then Captain Velvet Meteor, the Jump Plus Dimensions. Um, inscrutable. Inscrutable <laughs> based on this trailer. And then at the very end, yes. there is this black and white hack and draw image of like a small child hugging a sad looking dog that is seemingly apropos of nothing. Or is part of Captain Velvet Meteor the Jump Plus Dimensions. Because it's certainly not part of Portal Companion Collection. Which is sort of how the sizzle reel stops. Like, we get pulled out of the sizzle reel with uh, the Portal Companion Collection, which is available right now, um, which includes, uh, like, uh, essentially three of the best games ever made, Portal, Portal 2, and Portal 2 Co-op. Mark, have you ever played Portal 2's co-op? I've never played any Portal game, which feels like a huge... I know, it seems... Uh, you can't see it, listeners, but Patrick is, like, physically cringing. He is rocking back and forth in both disgust and laughing. I'm because inconsolable. How it be I'm inconsolable. Yeah. It, it's embarrassing to admit. But, yeah, I've, I've never played... I even owned the Orange Box collection <laughs> on PlayStation 3, where, where like, uh, Half-Life 2 was basically unplayable but right. didn't play portal then um it does feel like it seems like something i would really like especially in co-op yeah well the so the original portable is imminently digestible it's like a two to three hour experience um is just the right amount of like wrinkle your brain to like figure out how the mechanics work um and then you're sort of done with the experience it's funny it's uh, incredibly well written and well performed by this robot voice um and then uh Portal 2 does all of that, but bigger. Um, and then there's the co-op mode, which, like, if you really, like, just thinking through the sort of, like, spatial reasoning that you have to tackle in order to have two sets of portals and two little robots, like, running around launching each other through these portals is so satisfying and so fun. I will absolutely... Anyone, anyone who wants to play the Portal 2 co-op, um, like... I'm I'm there. I'm I'm your second robot like every single time. It's so good. Yeah, for whatever reason like the everything you're saying sounds great, but playing it by myself doesn't sound that fun. I but I think I want to buy it just so you and I can play. Yeah. Great call. The um Portal 2 co-op cuz I'm guessing it's like an afternoon experience. Like you can do it in uh, maybe, maybe two afternoons, yeah. But th- that sounds perfect. Like yeah. I'm imagining snipper clips but in 3D. Kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, that just, that's the that general just vibe. Like yeah. so much fun. Well, I'm just imagining you standing. This is my snipper clips experience. <laughs> so I'm just imagining, you know, so I'm imagining like you standing up at right. the TV, like pointing emphatically, yes. being like, no, the blue one goes there and the orange one goes there. And I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> this makes me sound like a jerk. And <laughs> well, it could be interchangeable. It could be interchangeable. Right, either one of us. Yeah, right. either right. one of us. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, no, it's it's super good. The second one has Stephen Merchant in it. Uh, it's just it's just great. Very um, good. Uh, and then that is followed up by uh, 
Harvestella. This is the other sort of farming game that is uh, on 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 the uh, uh, the direct here uh, coming out November fourth. This is a Square Enix game, um, which I always feel like the uh, various farming sim games are Square Enix games, but they never are. No, and this one really reminds me of the Rune Factory series. Yes. Like this is kind of like Square Enix. It feels like elbowing in on that territory right. a little bit. It's got a little bit of like a darker art vibe to it. Totally. Uh, especially when compared to the Story of Seasons game that we saw earlier. Um, but again, the exact same watering mechanic. Um, the uh, I, I, they, <laughs> I like that they mentioned the, the, the seasons. They say the seasons gently flow from one to the next. Um, but you want to avoid the season of death. Quietus. Quietus, which is also the name of the drug in Children of Men that they take <laughs> to kill themselves. <laughs> do you remember this? I do. In Children of Men. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is a, a, a farming game that's coming out on November 4th. Yeah, it's like a farming game with dungeon crawling slash like RPG combat yeah, totally, mechanics. Totally. So, again, like very Rune Factory-esque. I am uh, excited to see that this exists, partly because... I am glad that Square Enix continues to take these weird swings. And it seems to be like this. They did this a lot on like the DS and the Nintendo 3DS, where, you know, they had their big budget, like Final Fantasy 15, you know, like felt like high stakes. And then they had the portable outlets where they were able to still do their kind of like weirder stuff, like all of that. And I like that the Switch has continued to be an outlet for a lot of these kind of like experiments, Mm -hmm. like the, um, that, uh, uh, card based rpg that um right I, i'm blanking on the name right now but you know like it's mm-hmm. just it's fun to me to see that like that spirit still lives on and that there's an outlet for these types of game that isn't just mobile yeah um and it's uh it the sheer number of games that square enix puts out is sort of staggering to me um there's like a similarity to them. There's obviously like a lot of synergy and like sharing of like assets and knowledge and whatnot between um the different departments but like they just put out so many games. Yeah, I there's a part of me that all that is kind of like mind locked in the PlayStation Three generation where Square Enix was really struggling to like release games yes. at all, and they had a really troubled development pipeline. But it is very clear that that is not the world we live in anymore. Right. I mean, they they're putting out more Final Fantasy VII games than <laughs> <laughs> than they than they would put out uh. during the PS3 era. So, um, yeah, Harvestella, November fourth. Finally. The last reveal um, is something that I think on this show we really thought would never happen, and that is mainline Persona games are coming to Nintendo Switch, including Persona 5 Royal, which is out on October 22nd, 2022, the same day that it's released on Xbox. Plus, uh, Persona 3 Portable is coming soon, and Persona 4 Golden. All three games that I have never played but I think I will probably pick up Persona Five Royal. Yeah, just to just to give it a shot. And yeah, see, yeah. Uh, you know, you and you played through some of Persona Five, and I was very little, very I, little. You yeah. know, I was here for I was in the room when you were doing that, and the Persona Five Royal is supposed to have like a ton of quality of life improvements. Yeah, which I am looking forward to. Yes. Yeah. Well, and this is just like how we were both we both played uh, Dragon Quest after the special uh, the definitive edition came out. Um, and so I, I think that is going to serve us equally well here of like, oh yeah, just play the, play the game the way it was, you know, with all the edges filed down. It's, but this is a, this is a big 
deal that Persona mainline games are coming to not just Xbox, but yeah. Switch. Do you think that this means that like Sony's kind of grip on new ma- mainline Persona games is no longer in effect and that we will see Persona be a multi-platform series going forward? Like does Persona? Where 6. does Persona Six launch? Yeah, is it like Xbox and PlayStation, um, and Switch successor? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think that that would actually be in both Sony and Atlas's best interest. Totally. Um, because, uh, well, there's a, a rabid fan base for the Persona games. They're not they're not functioning on the same level as like other PlayStation exclusives. Like uh, a PlayStation exclusivity for uh, Persona 6 is not the same as a PlayStation exclusivity for Final Fantasy 7 Remake uh, Rebirth, right? Or Final Fantasy 16. Like, right. um, they, they have locked down the agreements that like truly matter to them, um, even when something like Final Fantasy has such a history of being on multiple platforms, especially recently. Um, like Final Fantasy 15 was uh, Xbox and, and PlayStation, like sa- same day, same date. Um, but they have, they clearly see like a, a different level of value there um, than their. Maybe they did see it once in in, uh, in in the Persona games, but gaming is just like too big and too global now for something that is still kind of a niche like Japanese game uh, to like command that the the need for them to keep it exclusive. I completely agree, and I think it's just cool to see a Persona a Persona Five Royal portable. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it's it, it is funny that uh Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden are were both when they came out like launched PSP on, games. on on portable. Yeah, PSP and Vita. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um but yeah, that it, it is funny to then just like see the straight line of like uh 3 is PSP, 4 is Vita and 5 is Switch. Like that's <laughs> the direct line. Um so, yeah, uh, overall a pretty cool direct. We saw a lot of games and I'm interested in Uh, A fair number of them. Yeah. I also feel like this just, to me, kind of reinforces that as Sony's gaze has kind of wandered from being Japan-focused, like, it doesn't feel like they're that interested in... um, They see a lot of growth worldwide, and so they're not that interested. I mean, another reason I think that seemingly they've let Persona exclusivity go is I just don't think they're that focused on, you know, like, the Japanese audience. And, but there are so many, it feels like just the, the Switch is the home of Japanese games now. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally Especially get Especially these that. like smaller kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like um, Harvestella tier games. Yeah. That's sort of like double A uh, area where it's like, it's, it's not the biggest like blow the doors off the, uh, off the space kind of thing. But um, yeah, it, it is interesting to think about like the sort of cultural identities of, of the three main platforms. Um, and then not consider the streaming platforms at all. Um, but like that Microsoft feels so like us based I, and may, maybe UK too, just cause like rare is such a big part of them. Um, and that Nintendo is so Japanese focused. And then that PlayStation is like worldwide, um, that there's like a big European influence. That's where they're, um, the like head of, uh, the, the former gorilla guy, Herman Holst, that he's like the head of, uh, PlayStation now. Um, PlayStation presently, not to <laughs> not to confuse with a service that they no longer use. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, 
it's just neat to see those sort of like divisions in uh, cultural identity between the three. Yeah, and how it just feels like more and more, e- even though gaming is so global, and even though there are more multi big multi platform games than ever, it still feels like each company is uh, etching out their identity. And I feel yeah. like Sony's the one who has changed the most uh, over like the play from PlayStation Three to where they are now. Yeah, yeah. What do you think drives that? A growth. I yeah. think. And I think that they just growth generally or growth like in those specific like I, I I'm I'm tempted to be like, oh, it's uh, uncharted. Like that's what did it. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. That like is like this is not a Japanese style game at all. Like this is a uniquely like American set of priorities. And of course, like the Metal Gear games before that, those are very Japanese, but uh Hideo Kojima is a, a different beast altogether. Um, but that like that sort of changed what they put forth as their like marquee titles right yeah i i think that's totally true and just in general like sony's corporate culture yes has become so much more i mean strength like european mm-hmm. you know um or at least outside of japan that i think yeah that it's such a uh, it's a Japanese company in name only at this point. Right. Well, they moved their uh, like worldwide headquarters outside of Japan to the states, right? I, I actually think, don't remember where yeah. they moved, but definitely outside of Japan. So, like for sure. The other thing that I want to ask you about is, um, so now that we have this partner showcase, do you think that I just want to speculate a little bit on like what we think or don't think this means for a Nintendo first party? Right, you know, yeah. Like let's showcase. let's drill some burr holes here and <laughs> <laughs> release release some pressure. I don't know. I think it. I think it is. Uh, I think equally possible that um, in like a month, you know, uh, as we approach August, that we'll get like some sort of uh, individual game focused showcase. Be it Breath of the Wild two, Metroid Prime four, Metroid Prime remake. It could be, just be a Metroid direct. Uh huh. Um, something like that to do like one last blow the doors off for one big thing. Um, coming out this year, and then uh, maybe the September Direct, but maybe not. I know that. So the fact that, again, if we're looking at historically, you know, there are these right. ten pole directs, and th- September is traditionally where we get like another full um, direct. I it makes me wonder if you know we just got the Xenoblade Chronicles three focused right. direct. Mm-hmm. That in August we get a Splatoon three focused direct. But yeah. we don't get another kind of like general direct announcements until September. If it's going to happen at all. At all, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, I guess they maybe want to talk about stuff that's coming out in January and February. But the rest of the year is packed. I mean, I don't know. The, the presence of Super Bomberman R2 in this. It just, I, it, it, an ill, well, I guess not an no, ill it's, it's, omen. No, it's, it's a positive omen. <laughs> um, but like, it's, it, it's just such a strange thing. It is. Uh, that I'm like, oh yeah, we've, we've got hardware, either revision or like a next generation <laughs> of hardware, like imminently incoming. There's no other reason <laughs> to talk about that's Bomberman. Right. It's, it's like the cicadas of, uh, um, that's right. That's right. Video games. Every, every seven years or every like 13 years, the like this brood and this other brood, like all come out at the same time. <laughs> but like, you know, truly that also, like explains or at least offers an explanation um for why there isn't nintendo first party stuff to show it's that they can't show it running on current hardware because it doesn't right um and they have not yet announced the new hardware yeah uh and again that's all like conspiracy theory i don't even think i believe it um but 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 bomberman yeah 
A rogue Bomberman appears. That's right. And we don't know what to do with it. All right, Mark, uh, we have analyzed this thing into the ground. <laughs> Let's close this out. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. I would love to hear everyone else's reactions to uh, this direct um, and to my wild uh, Super Bomberman theories. Um, l- let us know right into us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and uh, or get in the Discord and, and, and all that good stuff. Um, please remember to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can uh, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or any place that you share things follow us on twitter i'm at patrick underscore ellers mark is at mke mitchell and the show is at nincart society there's also a facebook page which is just nintendo cartridge society anthony deluca made our logo our theme music is provided by 8bit betty you can get more of his music by going to 8bitbetty.com or by listening right now from my co-host mark mitchell this is patrick ellers saying bomberman is an ill omen and thank you for listening